All right, so we're back again with Professor Carol Newsom of Candler School of Theology and Emory University. And this is just a very brief conversation to sort of help um, have Professor Newsom set the stage a little bit for reading an article on the first nine chapters of Proverbs, in particular their depiction of gender um, and use of gender, rhetorical use of gender. And uh, I, I would just say from my side, I think my perception is that these chapters, particularly Proverbs 8, in early years, when I was starting to go to school, were lifted up as an image of feminist power. And the feminine image of wisdom was often seen as both a powerful image in itself for women who were trying to find images of power, female power in the Bible, and then also as a potential prelude to a sort of feminine-tinged Christology in the New Testament. Um, and your article really seemed to offer a somewhat different perspective or a complementary perspective. And so I was interested in asking you about what brought you to the topic and where you were coming from with it. Well, I, it was written back in 1988-89 and had been at the invitation of Peggy Day, who wanted to get a number of women scholars together to write on different aspects of the Hebrew Bible. And so she'd asked me to deal with wisdom. And I had just been beginning to work on the women's Bible commentary, and I was I, I'm ashamed to say I was a bit late into feminist scholarship. And so I was um, uh, having my consciousness raised, as they say. Uh, and at the same time, I had been reading uh, literary theory and I was kind of interested in postmodernism and the way in which it was analyzing um, power relations, ideology, voices, etc. And so I got the idea, okay, I'm going to try that for the piece that I have promised to give to Peggy. And uh, I sat down with Toral Moy's Sexual Textual Politics and um, uh, a couple of other pieces. And the entire thing was written in three weeks from research to finished piece. It's the first, only thing I've ever done that quickly. And I got fascinated with the question about who's speaking to whom, who's not speaking, and when someone is speaking, are they ventriloquizing another voice? And so I found that these resources were able to allow me to explore those questions. Um, although I must admit, um, I still value as a feminist aspects of Proverbs one through nine. Uh, it was not my intention to do a hatchet job, although some of my friends who worked in wisdom literature thought that I must hate the book, <laughs> but I don't. And I actually think that the wisdom literature in its structure and presuppositions actually is very congenial with many feminist uh, perspectives. But in the voicing of these texts in one to nine, it did seem to me that this was a real attempt to contain and control, and to do so by using women as symbols of both, if you will, the virgin and the whore, um, the, the approved and the fearsome feminine. So that was sort of what I set out to see. Let's see what happens. And, and I think it was, a, a, as you say, an interesting and kind of provocative piece to put in the mix. Definitely so. 
Um, can you just say a little bit more about how one balances the sort of critique you make about the sort of ventriloquizing and s- sort of patriarchal symbolic use of female imagery, but at the same time, not wanting to chuck it all yeah. and, and seeing some value in, in the images that one finds in those texts? Yeah, I don't think that, um, well, first of all, uh, one can be subversive of a received text. And so though I think that the intent of presenting woman wisdom in Proverbs 8 was an attempt to recruit this powerful female symbol, probably based on goddess imagery, to support a patriarchal worldview, um, readers need not agree to that offer. And they may look at some of the terms. After all, the terms that are used in wisdom are often what are called empty signifiers. That is, they're vague terms. Um, What does equity mean? What does just mean? What does righteous mean? Those things have to be filled with content. And so the assumptions of the authors may be one thing, but we can say, well, no, what really does equity mean? And if she comes out and she says she's interested in equity, Let's take her at her word, but examine that, et cetera. So I think one can work with it. And um, especially then if you go on and you look at some of the rest of the book of Proverbs, it's very interested in uh, using one's own observation to test experience and truth. And um, again, that's a standard part of of feminist um, perspectives. Um, It is very interested in the notions of balance, uh, of a kind of ecology of acts and actions and values in the world. And so when you look at the presuppositions of wisdom, it's not tied to a single ideology, but it does have a lot of perspectives within it that I think are very feminist friendly. And so once you have a powerful symbol, different interest groups are going to attempt to recruit it to support a particular position. Um, but they, no one can ever, I think, um, completely contain and chain a powerful symbol. And so it's always available to enter into a different kind of contextualization. And women, I think, have done a wonderful job of reclaiming wisdom literature in particular as a way of exploring and expressing um, feminine power in feminist perspectives. So, yes, I love the wisdom tradition very much. (laughs) I think you already covered the final thing I was going to ask, but just double checking. You had mentioned in passing that you find many aspects of the wisdom tradition really congenial to a feminist perspective. And if I'm hearing you correctly, that includes this um, appeal to grounding one's knowledge and experience and the balance and that sort of thing. And I guess if maybe that it's no coincidence that as many feminist scholars have focused on wisdom literature as has been the case. Um, are there, are there any other things that you find congenial about wisdom literature for students to consider as they're starting their study of it? Uh, I, I do think that it um, it's 
the the um, the poetic style in which it is expressed, and the um, uh, uh, Anne Stewart has written a very excellent book studying um, uh, wisdom and, um, and and the 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 rhetoric of its poetry, and I think that that is something that is. Um, uh, real of real interest to not just feminists but to many people how a poetic imagination is embodied in its approach to what is wise. I think the fact that it is very community oriented it's not individualistic um, it may address the individual but it finally understands that flourishing only happens in community um, so there's just all kinds of reasons why um, I think that the book is um, uh, it is a good place for people to come together and to find um, values and perspectives that are so different from, say, reading the law or reading uh, narrative. Um, and it's a it's a tremendous resource. So, yeah, m- much to be found there. But we do always have to remember, sometimes we put on our hat of critique. And sometimes we put on uh, a phrase I learned from you, our hermeneutic of hospitality. (laughs) Well, thank you. That's wonderful. Um, And this is a really nice prelude, I think, for students as they work, start on their journey toward um, looking at both Proverbs and other wisdom books um, in the Hebrew Bible. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. (laughs) 